Welcome to the Believe in the Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Bo Smolka, along with my co-host, former Ravens tight end, Daniel Wilcox. And we come to you today after the Raven, another wild week for the Ravens. This time they squeak out a 16-13 win at Chicago. And now they get ready for the big three-game stretch where they will face Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and then Cleveland again. But first, let's look back at the Chicago game and what a strange week it was. Lamar Jackson missed two practices on Wednesday and Thursday. Then he practiced on Friday. Then it looked like he would play. He gets on the plane. He's very sick again, and now he can't play. And Tyler Huntley, the undrafted second-year player out of Utah, comes on in his first career start and leads the Ravens to a win. It wasn't always pretty, but when he had to make a couple plays, he did. Tyler Huntley, let's talk about Tyler Huntley. Daniel, when I remember this summer, one of the big questions going around training camp, one of the big questions every year at training camp is, who's going to be the backup quarterback? In every camp, it seems there's this intrigue. And and in Baltimore, it was Tyler Huntley or Trace McSorley. Trace McSorley or Tyler Huntley. They seem to be kind of in a neck-and-neck race for the number two job. And in the end, the Ravens chose to keep Huntley and put Trace McSorley on the practice squad. From what I saw this summer at training camp, and there were times Tyler uh, Trace McSorley looked more polished, but when you watch Tyler Huntley play, he had a bigger arm. He just looked like he could improvise and escape and make a big play happen at any time, more so than Huntley, uh, more so than McSorley. And just like he had, he looked like he had more big play ability, and he looked better suited to run this offense that was built for Jackson. So. That's why it didn't surprise me when they kept Huntley. And then, of course, they had, to, they had to go to him in this game. I'd love to get your impressions of what you took from Tyler Huntley in his first start. Well, watching Tyler out there, I, I just felt like he was extremely poised. You know, um, he felt like he's been there before. The game did not feel like it was too big for him at all. Um, he moved well. I mean, seeing him, if you take the number two off and put the number eight on, you would swear he's Lamar Jackson when you see him on the field. And when I talked to a couple of my buddies about him, um, I didn't know Tyler was from Florida. He's a Florida guy as well. He actually, you know, him and Lamar played against each other in high school, and they, everybody talked about how great this kid was, you know, as a high school quarterback as well. And you know, it was always him and Lamar neck and neck, you know, just kind of running through Florida ranks. Um, so to see him, you know, in Baltimore, you know, he's almost a spitting image of Lamar, the way he moves, the way he throws. I think the Ravens is extremely blessed to be able to find Lamar number two. You know, uh, I think, I think no matter what the situation is, no matter what the situation is, who your quarterback is, what style of quarterback you have, whether it's a Tom Brady, whether it's Peyton Manning, you know, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, you look for that next guy that could do the exact same things that he do so that your offense can continue to be you know, successful when your quarterback is down. And I think the Ravens have found that guy. I mean, he comes in and, you know, I don't think they have to change the offense at all. I think he's done a great job of studying the playbook and taking his time to kind of figure out exactly how to be the Ravens quarterback. And I think he's doing a phenomenal job as a backup, man. It's not easy uh, um, as a quarterback to come in and have to back up somebody like Lamar Jackson. So to see him come in and kind of hold down the fort, man, I, I think we're extremely blessed. I'll tell you, when you watch this team at practice, and we all, the practices we're allowed to watch, the quarterbacks are usually on the very far, far field, farthest from us. And and for whatever reason, you know, usually the Ravens will have the offense in white jerseys and the defense in purple jerseys or the way around. But the quarterbacks have these black jerseys with purple numbers. And from the far, far away away, there's days when, like, for example, Lamar Jackson's been sick and, you, and, and he's not on the field. But we can only see, the, to your point, we can only see there's two guys out there. And... Right. 
if you can't read the numbers, it's hard to tell, is that Jackson or is that Huntley? Because they physically look alike, their mannerisms are alike, they're, they're, the way they move on the field is very similar. So you're exactly right, they actually look the, look like each other. When you see them on the field uh, from a long distance away, you can't tell which one is which. And I, and I, I think I actually think, Bo, before we go forward, I, I think Trace Masorley, you know, I think he did a phenomenal job as well. I think he's athletic. You know, he runs well. He did a great job running the offense as well. You know, of course, he took some licks and got banged up along the way. Um, but when you bring somebody in like Huntley, I think that just, you know, he's almost a spitting mirror of what you have. I mean, imagine, imagine Tom Brady having another Brady come in behind him, right? Somebody that moves the same, looks the same, throws the same, and, and can make all the same plays that Brady makes. You know, that's I mean, that says a lot. You know, that says a lot about what you have as a backup, you know, here in Baltimore. I, I think he came in and did a phenomenal job. Of course, he got sacked four or five times. I mean, who cares? I mean, it's, it's the NFL. You know, your line is all beat up, banged up, and kind of displaced. And, you know, they're they're still getting to know each other. They can still learn each other. Then when you bring somebody else back there that can still make you look good as an, offen- as an offensive lineman, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel more comfortable, you know, being back there and blocking for a guy that you know at any moment could break off a 20, 30, 40-yard run. Trace McSorley was signed off the Ravens practice squad this week by the Arizona Cardinals. So he leaves the organization after two and a half years. And Trace McSorley was very popular uh, among fans in Baltimore. Of course, he had played at Penn State. He's from Northern Virginia. And I can tell you that at training camp practices that fans were allowed to attend, there were always Penn State and McSorley fans in attendance. But McSorley, again, beaten out by Huntley. He ended up playing in three games over his Ravens career. Uh, He went three for 10 as a passer for 90 yards. The signature play was a 70-yard touchdown pass to Marquise Brown during what we call the COVID Bowl, that weird Wednesday afternoon game at Heinz Field at Pittsburgh last year that was postponed a couple different times during the Ravens' COVID outbreak. So McSorley is off to Arizona, and he hopes to resurrect his career there with the Cardinals, leaving just Jackson and Huntley on the roster, and the Ravens presumably will sign a third quarterback just to have on the practice field and be available. Take me to the a, a practice week, and you're Tyler Huntley, and most of the time you're the QB2, you're the backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does your typical week look like as the backup and how different does it become when they come to you on Wednesday and say, Hey, Jackson can't go. You're, you're going to be, you're going to take the starter reps this week. That's a great question, man. I think it's a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings that go through your mind. Um, I, I think in, in the NFL, let me not say, I think, cause I know right in the NFL, you know, there are no backups, you know? So even if I'm the number two quarterback, I have to prepare like I'm the starter. Because anything could happen at any given moment. The guys that think that they're backup, they won't last long in this league. The guys that prepare like they're the starter week in and week out are the guys that go and be successful, the guys that come in and play the way Huntley played. Because he has to prepare every single week like he's the starter no matter – I mean, think about a quarterback spot. You know, you see your, your – um, um, the, the Seattle's what's his name? Seattle Russell Wilson. You know he dislocated his finger, break his finger. The same thing kind of happened to Arizona. You know, so it could be a single finger that could stop a quarterback from playing and, and you break a nail. Right, <laughs> you break a nail and you're in. You know, so you have to prepare no matter what position you are in. You have to prepare like you're the starter. So Huntley does a great job of preparing. And the guy that's the most professional in this business is the guy that gets the chance to shine. You know, so if I'm a doctor, I'm a surgeon. 
you know, I'm not the only heart surgeon in the building. I may be the best, but I'm not the only one. But the guy that's not that's number two in the building, he has to prepare and he has to learn and he has to study with me to prepare himself for his his big day. I think a surgeon, a brain surgeon, a heart surgeon is, is a lot like a quarterback. You know, you got to be surgical. You got to be precise. You got to be strategic. You got to be sharp. You got to be smart. You have to understand every single angle of the defense. You have to understand every blitz, every blitz coverage, every red dog, every corner coming off the edge, every cat blitz, you know, every storm blitz. You got to get them all. You got to figure it all out and you have to be able to have an answer no matter what they do. Right. You have to be able to look at the drawings, look at the pictures, look at the videos and be able to figure it out right now, you know, and then go to the next play. You know, so to see these guys, you know, I'm sure they they talk a lot because they've been friends for a long time. So I'm sure they talk a lot. They communicate a lot. I mean, when you see Hart, when you see Huntley plays, it's really impressive. You know, considering the fact that he's your backup, the scary part about it, he won't be a backup for long. Somebody going to snatch that kid up. (laughs) Well, the Ravens get him for now. I mean, it, yeah. and, and you know, when you have nerves, I'm sure it's the first. Do you remember your first start? Nerves about being your first start? I know with tight ends maybe a little different because sometimes a tight end might play three plays and technically start it because it's the first play as opposed to a quarterback who will be starter. You're going to play every snap. But do you remember nerves from your first NFL starter, the, the equivalent? Absolutely, man. Um, my first start actually came in Baltimore. I don't count the special team starts before then, but the first offensive start, I earned it. You know, I earned it. I put the work in. I had just got from NFL Europe. I had played 10 games over in Germany and played another three preseason games. And then I came in and played, you know, three or four preseason games for the Ravens. So by the time I got my first start, I had already played like 16, 17 games, you know, going into the first game for the Ravens, right? And when I got there, you know, I remember Billick, you know, telling me like, man, you earned this. You know, we're not giving you this opportunity. You've earned it. You know, you put in the work, um, love everything that you've done in the preseason. We're going to call out 12 guys, you know, for the your first mm. start. You know, we want we want to make sure that you're called out because you're a starter on this offense no matter what. And I started the first play of the game. You know, we started a two tight end set. It was me and Todd Heap. And um, having Heap as a partner, man, just made my start really, really easy. But my first start felt a lot like my last start. My last start was the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. You know, it was a lot of nerves. Um, that for, before that ball, before the play snaps, that first, you know, that first whistle or the first kickoff, the first kickoff return of the game. You know, there's a lot of nerves, man. You you nervous? You got to get that first hit out. You feel butterflies in your stomach. That that pit kind of sinks deep down into your gut. And um, you don't know how this thing is going to end up. All you know is you want to win and you've prepared and you've worked hard and you deserve this opportunity that you have. And you want to come out there and put your best foot forward. And, you know, as you look across the ball and you see you see your teammates and you see everybody warm up and pre-step, you know, before the game, you look at all those guys in their eyes, man, and you don't want to let them down. You know, no matter what, you don't want to let them down. You know they believe in you. You know, you know they trust you. You know they have your back. And you want to go and you want to do your part, you know, so you want to hit as hard as you can hit. You want to run as fast as you can run. You want to plant and get out of your brakes as quick and as fast as you possibly can. And you want to make every single opportunity play that you can. You know, you pray, you you know, you, you always try to keep God first and and you, you put your best foot forward, man. And you go out there and you let one play lead into the next play. If you have a bad play, you try to have amnesia as fast as you possibly can and forget it. And you, you try to continue to build and build and build and build. And it all comes with the confidence that you've that you've worked hard and you've put in the work in order to be in this position. 
Yeah, and I think the Ravens players, I mean, talking to them even before this game, I, they had they had plenty of confidence in Huntley. I think they thought all along Huntley could lead them to a victory. I don't think they ever had any doubt of that. You talk about nerves. I think early in that game, you know, they scuffled a little bit, but then Mark Andrews made a great one-handed catch on a third down play that moved the chains once, and I think that kind of got Huntley settled in. But I'll give Huntley out of credit. I mean, you're playing, you're winning 9-7, to seven, and then they hit that fourth down touchdown, and they're winning, and now you've got to go back on the field with – a minute 40 left, and you need a touchdown at this point. They've, they're up five or whatever. If you, you know, they're up four, I think. You get a touchdown or you lose. And and the first play of that final drive, he he uh, throws a pass to Rashad Bateman that ended up being pass interference. And I want to bring that one up because Rashad Bateman, you know, there's been so much talk about his hands and his route, his route running and his the crispness of his routes and what he can bring to this offense. What he's brought to this offense is drawing pass interference penalties, which is no small thing. Torrey Smith made a made an art of that but the first seven games this year the Ravens had had zero pass interference calls against them for whatever reason Bateman since he came here he's had three in the last four or five games he's had three he had two against the Bears and part of that is you know it may be related to his route running he makes a break the defender gets fooled and now grabs him or is out of position or whatever it is but that's a huge ability to be able to draw pass interference penalties is it not it is, man. And Bateman has such a deceptive speed. You know, like he doesn't look like he's moving as fast as he is. So cornerbacks kind of get relaxed throughout the game. And next thing you know, he runs right by you. And you're like, oh, crap. Now you got to grab this guy to try to slow him down. You know, he's long. He's rangy. He has long arms. So he has a long wingspan. He can reach out around and grab balls that most guys won't be able to get. And he has phenomenal hands, man. Uh, he's he's definitely a threat. Like people are starting to respect that kid all over the league. And I think he's going to continue to draw some pass interference calls. You know, he's He's smooth. He's slick. He gets in and out of his breaks really, really nicely. And um, I, I like the kid. I like him a lot. Uh, I think the Ravens did a good job of finding him. Yeah, I think, I think you know, we joke about it. But, I mean, mm-hmm. being able to get past interference, it's, it's an important play in the playbook when it happens. So the Bears were missing two of their big pass rushers in Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks. And yet they got six sacks. They had Huntley under the gun most of the game. They blitzed a lot more than they normally do. And I'm sure after seeing Miami blitz, Mm-hmm. And seeing that it was Huntley in the backfield, that was a factor. But how worried should the Ravens be about this offensive line when they have Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney and some of these other elite pass rushers coming up, seeing what the Bears were able to do against this offensive line? They should be really worried. I mean, you got to double team both of those type of guys. I mean, they're not the type of guys that you just let run free on your quarterback. You know, you got to get to these guys. You got to get your hands on them first. And then you got to have somebody to help you, assist you with them, come over and bump, chip. You know, have the running back come over to help, the tight end come over and help. You know, you're going to probably keep more guys in this game than you normally would. You might go to a lot of two tight end, three tight end sets, you know, to try to slow down this pass rush that they have because they do have some studs over there on the defensive side of the ball. You know, the Ravens will be prepared. One thing that we've always done a really good job of is just trying to eliminate your best player. When you play us, we try to get rid of your best player. So if it's Clowney, if it's Garrett, one of those guys got to go. You know, he won't he won't make the Pro Bowl in this game, you know, and that's your that's your goal, right? You know, to make sure he don't make the Pro Bowl in this game. If you have five, six sacks on you, you guarantee you just put him into the Pro Bowl. You know, so you got to make sure you protect your QB so he don't take a lot of hits, um, take a lot of blind shots and stuff like that. And you bring guys over to assist. I had to do that a lot at the tight end position, you know, go in motion, you know, sit right there on the edge of the tackle. Make sure I force that guy over to the tackle so the tackle could get hands on him. And then if he tried to come out wide, I would chip him with that inside shoulder of mine on his outside shoulder to put him back in the tackle's lap. You know, and they hated it. Defensive ends absolutely hate getting chipped. And then you guys, any defensive end in the entire league, 
they'll tell you they hate getting chipped by by running back, fullback, tight end. It freaking sucks. It's, it irritates them the entire game. You know, it makes them it forces them to have to do spin moves early that they don't want to do. It forces them to go inside and have to put hands on the tackle. Or it, it, it's one way or another they either going to attack me or they're going to attack the tackle. But I got help no matter what. You know, so. One thing they don't want to do is leave us one-on-one with these guys because it's going to be a long, long day if, if we do that. No, I think you'll see plenty of uh, Boyle or Tomlinson or Patrick Ricard uh, will be in there helping out. And and then that that does take one less player out of the pass pattern. But you're right. You, gotta, you have to protect first. You have to protect first mm-hmm. so you have time to look around downfield. Let's talk about this Ravens defense a little bit against the Bears and Really, the Ravens' defensive player of the game was Tyus Bowser. Um, he had a couple sacks. I know he had a sack on the last play of the game. He also had a sack that was called back if I'm, uh, on, a, on a defensive holding penalty, I believe it was, on Marlon Humphrey. But Tyus Bowser, you know, he, he got an extension this summer with the Ravens. He, to me, it typifies their right player, right price philosophy because they let Matthew Judon go. They weren't going to pay that much money. They let Yannick Ngakwe go. They weren't going to pay him that much money. In Tyus Bowser, they found a guy that they ended up giving a contract that was roughly half the amount that Matthew Judon given. Um, but they see him. He may not be the game-wrecking sack machine that Matthew Judon is, but he does a lot of other things. He goes drops in coverage. He sets the edge against the run. And in this game against Chicago, Tyus Bowser had like I said, he had the two sacks, but to me, one of the biggest plays in that game was when he tackled Justin Fields in the open field um, near midfield. Fields was on his way to a big run on that play, and we've seen the Ravens' lack of open field tackling this year, and Bowser made a really good play on that. When you see Tyus Bowser play, what do you see? What does he do well, and what does he mean to this defense? I honestly think he does everything well. Like, I don't think he sucks at anything. Like, he's consistent, right? You know, he's that guy that's very, very consistent. You know, like, he does everything. He rushes the passer well. He uses his hands well. He plays the run well. He plays the pass well. He covers well. He does a little bit of every every everything for you. And, and to be an outside linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens, you have to be versatile. This guy is versatile. He has it all. I, I seen it firsthand when I was up there scouting with the Ravens. You know, I watched him at practice every day, make play after play after play. I was like, this guy's going to be good. You know, and he's showing you that he's good. He's he's not your Terrell Suggs where he's the franchise player on your team. But he's a heck of a freaking football player. This guy is just a straight-up football player. He was born to go out here, put the pants on, put the pads on, and play freaking football. And it shows up week in and week out. He's consistent, man. He's really, really, really consistent for the Ravens. And he's exactly what the Ravens needed. Sometimes you can't, like, if you have a franchise player, it's like your Deion Sanders, your Ed Reeds, your Ray Lewis's and stuff. You can't always get those once every 10-year players, right? You know, but you can get two or three guys that could kind of make up for those guys when you lose them. And what the Ravens do is do a great job of putting pieces around you that make you that much better. And then their schemes are always spectacular and they know how to use their players to benefit them the most i bounced around the league myself three or four years before i found the ravens and the ravens found me and when i got to baltimore they found a way to use me the way i was supposed to be used the way that nobody else could use me everybody else is trying to figure out if i was a wide receiver if i was a running back if i was a fullback if i was a tight end when i got to baltimore they said you're an h-back and then they made a position just for me and that's exactly what, how they use in Bowser. They found out what he's really, really good at, and they they put pieces around him like Calais Campbell. You know, these guys are 
phenomenal together. And when you just watch them and how they play off each other, they're going to push one guy is going to make a push and push the quarterback towards Bowers away. And then Bowers is going to come in and make a big play and script fumble, sack fumble, scoop score. All that stuff is coming, you know, so it's going to be a fun, fun season, I think, for the Ravens defense. We just got to fix some of that stuff on the back end, Bo. Well, so let's talk about that. <laughs> the Bowser, we talked about, I mean, but another thing about Bowser, he's really athletic. And it was the game at Cleveland last year, I believe, that he had that great one-handed interception on the sideline. He played two years of college basketball at the University of Houston. So, wow. and, and he mentioned a lot of, you know, coverage techniques and moving in space. He, he, some of that, he, he, you know, he, he translates from basketball. Yes, the back end, the Ravens have done an amazing job this year at letting short passes become long touchdowns. Uh, mm-hmm. Another one this week, a little harmless wide receiver screen, and suddenly it's a 60-yard touchdown. What can they do differently other than tackle? What's what's not working? Um, a, a lot of this stuff is just will, man, and just willing, just will to want. You know, I want to be better than you. I want to be great. You know, and um, when you look at it, it's, it's 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 about effort and you know and consistency and just being in the right place at the right time. You know, right now it's something that's not clicking on the back end for the Ravens that just need to be tweaked and fixed. You know, I've seen the busted coverages. You know, week in and week out and. You know, those are missed assignments that they can't have, you know. So what ends up happening is you start to replace guys after a while because every week you have the same situation. You know, from the screen that um, Chicago had that turned into a 60-yard touchdown, I mean, when you look at that, it's just poor tackling. And I can't remember who it was we played a couple of weeks back where the guy, the receiver, caught the ball, spun out, and three four guys hit him, and he spun out, and he takes off two for a touchdown. And I know Jamar, you Chase, Jamar Chase had one against the Cincinnati. Yeah. It was a five-yard yep. pass turn, an 80-yard touchdown. Yep. Exactly. And, and that was just poor tackling as well. And it's and, and it's one of those situations, right, where you look at it, Bo, when great defenses tackle impacts, right? It's, it's like a swarm. It's like a swarm of bees. And that's what the Ravens have always had. So when you start to see these, it's like, oh, OK, he got it, you know, versus saying, all right, I'm going to be in on this thing, too. Let me get my butt in there and strip the ball from this guy. We're going to get five, six, ten hats on the ball every single play. And they just got to get to the ball. They got to play Raven football. You know, the flock is the flock for a reason. You know, they flock together. They get to the freaking ball and they make things happen. You know, this defense have always been the best turnover defense in the freaking world. Every year they're competing for turnovers. So if you're not getting interceptions, then you have to get scripts. You have to get fumbles. You have to put your helmet on the ball. You have to make them cough this thing up. You know, sack fumbles. You got to figure out ways to be disruptive in the defense with the Baltimore Ravens. You know, so once we get to playing that full term, I mean, full time, because there's too many tackles that you see that are just one guy throwing a guy to the ground or making a tackle. Normally it's five, ten guys to the ball. And a lot of that I, I equated to, you know, all the new rule changes too, right? You know, you're, you're afraid to go in there full speed and, you know, throw your hat, throw your helmet in there because you're going to get a target and penalty and get kicked out of the game. It's one thing, you know, to, to get turnovers, but at the base level, you just have to tackle first. I mean, that, that screen pass yeah. is a six-yard play. The place to chase is a five-yard play. The pass to Travis Kel- or, uh, Kelsey early in the year is a five-yard play if they just tackle. Instead, all three of them become touchdowns. Um, yeah. And, the and, the, and then there was the play, you know, the fourth and 11 play. Dalton hits um, Goodwin on the long touchdown on fourth and 11. That was one where, you know, Wink Martindale called a full all-out blitz, and it left Chris Westry out all alone on him. And it's interesting, right? Westry's a playing 
in place of Anthony Averett, who's playing in place of Marcus Peters. So he's the third string <laughs> cornerback out there on an island, and it's a it's a risky play by Martindale. And it's funny when John Harbaugh is asked about it the next day, he basically yeah they don't want to give up. If they stop that, the game's over. But yeah. he said he's kind of joking and said, "Look, giving up the touchdown there is not the worst thing. The worst thing actually would have been giving them a first down and letting them bleed the clock down and then kick a field goal at the end of the game. Remember, at that point, the Ravens were." winning nine to seven. So if they make a first down there and then just kick the, a field goal to win the game on the last play of the game, the Ravens don't even get the ball back. Yeah. What, what a, great... a lot of people don't point remember is even if Westry did not, uh, if that play was incomplete, Adafi Owe had been called for roughing the passer on that play. So mm-hmm. if that ball were incomplete, the, the uh, Bears have a first down and, and that may have, it's funny of all the, all the opportunities or all the possibilities, I should say, of that play, the touchdown turned out to be not the worst because that gave Huntley a minute and a half or whatever he had to come down and win the game. Anyway, so here the Ravens are. They've it's like a they've pulled a rabbit out of a hat time and time again. They're seven and three. Five of their seven wins they've trailed in the fourth quarter, which is just crazy when you think about it. Um, they have looked ugly at times. They've looked good at times, but they're still in first place. Now, now they start this stretch: Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, back to back to back. Cleveland, we may recall last year, the Ravens clobbered Cleveland in the season opener here in Baltimore, and then they went to Cleveland and played one of the wilder games maybe in their history because that was the day that they won it after Lamar Jackson got, he had cramps or whatever, he went to the locker room, Trace McSorley came in, he got hurt, and here comes Jackson rushing out of the locker room to throw a fourth down touchdown to Marquise Brown. And then the Browns come back and tie the game again. And then Justin Tucker hits a 55-yard field goal to win it, 45-42. to Just an amazing game. The Browns, I mean, they've got all the talent in the world, but it always seems to be there's so much drama there. Um, let me ask you this. Baker Mayfield. Uh, can, can he be the future in Cleveland? And he's one of Mark Andrews' best friends. They played at Oklahoma together. Uh, you know, obviously where he was picked in the draft. Is he the future there? And and what do you make of Baker Mayfield? You know, Bo, as a player, you know, I want to see Baker figure it out. You know, I want to see him have that walk on, you know, to Oklahoma. You know, now I'm starting NFL quarterback and become the franchise and, and, and you know, win big in Cleveland. You know, so you want to see the guy be successful as a player, you know, but as watching him and seeing this thing from the, you know, from the outside in, I'm not in Cleveland, but seeing it from the outside in, it it doesn't look like he's the guy, you know, and I don't know what's going to happen in the future for him. You know, I I, I think losing somebody like Odell and not being able to get him the ball and it's all disruptive the way it's been. I just don't see it happening. I feel like a, a quarterback, you know, finds a way to get star receivers the ball period, in the story. Um, I feel like a quarterback has to have control of his locker room. He has to have the respect of his teammates, in the story. I don't know if he has that right now. You know, he he has a, he has so much swag that you see him and you like, man, you, you want to see this guy be successful because that's what you really want out of your quarterback. You want your quarterback to have a little bit of swag and you want him to, to feel like that he's invincible. You want him to feel like he's the best quarterback in the league and, and that he's always going to put you in a situation to be great. And there is too much drama in Cleveland. I feel like it's too much drama in Cleveland. There's always drama between us and them. That's just part of, of the of the, the the Cleveland and Raven history. You know, we took their team. You know, we left in the middle of the night. You know, it, it, it is what it is. We're a better franchise than them. 
period. That's how I look at it. You know, if you want to play in the NFL, you want to play for the Baltimore Ravens, not the Cleveland Browns. Like, what are they? I mean, what kind of mascot is that anyway? You know, whatever. I think I really feel that 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 this game is going to be a phenomenal game. I feel like this game every year is a huge challenge for both cities. And, you know, when you go play for a team, you take on the personality of the city. I love the personality of the Baltimore Ravens. Not so much when it comes to Cleveland. Cleveland personality, I mean, mean, they're brown. You know, I don't even like wearing brown. So, I mean, it is what it is, Bo. (laughs) Well, you know, it's a look at this division. Baltimore 7-3, Cincinnati 6-4, Pittsburgh 5-4-1, Cleveland 6-5. They are jumbled Mm -hmm. together. And Cincinnati and Pittsburgh play this week as well. So if Baltimore were to beat Cleveland, they're now a game and a half ahead of Cleveland with a game in hand, with a you know a head-to-head win already. However, if they lose, that's going to tighten things up even more. So it's a huge game. We talked about Miles Garrett. We talked about Clowney. We talked about Baker Mayfield. Chubb ran all over the Ravens a couple of years ago in a win here. What do the Ravens have to do to win? Um, they have to be consistent. You know, they have, they really do have to be consistent and they have to run the ball against these guys. You're going to have to eat up some clock and they've done a great job all year is kind of winning the time of possession battle. And they did it last week against Chicago, you know, so I feel like if they can continue to win the time of possession battle, win the turnover battle, they cannot turn the freaking ball over against these guys because they can make some stuff happen. You know, they still got some studs over there on the offensive side of the ball, you know, with Landry. And of course, the, the defense is phenomenal as well. I think week in and week out, you're going to meet phenomenal teams, phenomenal defenses, phenomenal offenses. You just got to figure out a way to win at least two phases of the game, you know, whether it's offense, defense, or whether it's offense and special teams, whether it's defense and special teams, you know, whatever you, however you want to put it together, you got to be able to win at least two phases of the game to be successful. You cannot turn the ball over against these guys. We got to run the ball effectively. And then we have to be able to put up some, you know, some really good passing numbers on these guys as well. And the defense have to figure out what's going on in the secondary and kind of eliminate some of those mistakes back there on the back end. And you was talking about the West Street play earlier. You know, that's literally just they playing basically cover one man on man. They send in the house and then they plan off coverage. They, you know, so it's a lot coverage about 10, 12 yards off the ball. And then you give up a touchdown, you know, and it was, you know, Harbaugh's statement was a veteran coach statement. You know, that was really good by Harbaugh. I mean, you, you can't you can't phrase it no better than what he said, you know, but um, we we can't. I just feel like we got to stop having busted coverages, man, and and just be, be better. I, I always feel like the Ravens DBs are better than anybody else's in the league or just as good. And I, I don't feel like. We, are, we we sabotage ourselves or put ourselves in situations where the DBs are not in, are not very good. I mean, we go out and get the best backups, you know, in the league, and they and they they right here on our backup, and they right here on our bench. So when our starters go down, these guys are, are starter caliber material, you know. So I I believe in Westby. I, I think he can make plays for us and, and be great, you know. But Cleveland, um, I think is going to be a challenge. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a battle. It's going to come right down to the last couple plays of the game. And we might see Tucker come do come do what Tucker do best. Well, he does. Well, and, and of course, this week we'll have to be watching closely to see what Lamar Jackson's health looks like. You know, they said he didn't. It's not a COVID thing. John Harbaugh stressed that. It wasn't the flu. They have every reason to believe he'll be healthy and ready to go. But remember, they were also missing Averett, which is why Westry was out there. They were also missing Marquise mm-hmm. Brown, who's their number leading wide receiver. So, it's important right. that they get some of those guys back as well. And and as I said, it's a it's the first of really a tremendously important stretch of this season. As I said, they go Cleveland, then they go to Pittsburgh, then they go to Cleveland, then they have the Packers at home, and then they go back to Cincinnati. So 
It's a brutal, it's brutal stretch coming up for them. But <laughs> And it starts Sunday with a huge Sunday night football game against Cleveland. Well, Daniel Wilcox, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, you, you too. thanks for all your insight on this one. We will be back here again next week to look at what happened, good or bad, in this game against the Cleveland Browns. And then, as everyone will say, it's Steeler Week. And Steeler Week around here is just different. And we'll talk next week, Daniel Wilcox, about what you think of Steeler Week and what it means, because I know it's it, it means a lot to a lot of people. For Daniel Wilcox, this is Bo Smolka, and we appreciate you listening and invite you back next time on the Believe in the Ravens podcast on the Believe Podcast Network.